0: Well, this morning I want to continue our series, Live Like It Matters. We dove into Philippians chapter 3 last week, discussing how Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. Possessions, family heritage, your reputation, your church activities, your moral life are all counted as loss when compared with the surpassing greatness of knowing in experiencing Jesus. Jesus is our treasure, of whom we joyfully seek, to whom we count everything else as loss when compared with him. To live like it matters is to live like Jesus matters. When Jesus matters more than everything else in this life, there are certain qualities you pursue or, or live out so that he remains the central feature of your life. One of those qualities is the pursuit of living an empowered life in his name. Now, in case you're unaware, Connection Point Church is affiliated with the assemblies of God. Some bewildered looks, you know, did you know this church was affiliated with assemblies of God? You know, and, and some of those looks might come because, you know, some people, when they think of the assemblies of God, they may equate that with people coming off the rails in church, right? I mean, some people might imagine a scene like this video portrays. Foolish virgins and will find they have here been left behind with their empty vessels and the left for. That our will be mine <laughs> Foolish merchants will They have good and But they and what so good They are <laughs> 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 all so self to try Father have some more to buy but the bride comes and we have gone That's good stuff. I think my favorite part of the video is the guy who baptizes himself. You know but really, those people were just excited about church. But I open with something humorous, because I know that when I mention the baptism of the Spirit, for some people, walls immediately go up. Some may view the work of the Holy Spirit with great excitement and anticipation, while others have great concern or reservation. Some are expectant, while others are just plain scared to death. I think this has come about because some people have had some very negative experiences when it comes to people claiming to be led of the Spirit. They've been told they're not going to make it to heaven unless they speak in tongues. That's simply not true. We talked last week how we are saved by grace through faith. You do not have to be baptized in the Spirit to have a relationship with God. You don't. The Holy Spirit and His work are not mystical or strange. The video we watched was not necessarily a representation of the Holy Spirit. It simply was people excited about church and seeing Jesus one day. You know, the interesting thing is, is if you saw someone acting that way at a sports game or something, you wouldn't think anything about it. But in a church setting, sometimes people think that's that's interesting. Now, they just chose to express their excitement for Jesus in that way. I think it could be a little distracting to others, but you know, that's up to them to determine in their own church. The fact is, People are the ones who tend to get spooky and and goofy about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gets blamed for things that He has nothing to do with. So what I'd like to do this morning is simply examine Scripture and talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gave His Son. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. Before departing earth, Jesus shared with His disciples, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We have to ask ourselves what would be better than having Jesus with us? What would be better than having the Son of God roaming the earth, changing people's lives? And yet he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. If the gift of the Holy Spirit is greater than having Jesus with us in person, that has to make us curious. I want God's best for your lives. And this is why I want to examine scripture to determine how we can best experience life to the full. For this is what Jesus promised to those who choose to follow him. So if you have your Bibles and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We'll also jump over to Acts 2, but let's start in Acts 1 first. So reading from Acts 1, verses 4 through 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now jumping over to Acts 2, looking at verses 1 through 18. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then Luke, who writes the book of Acts, lists people from many nations there as witness to Pentecost. And they said, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, for they are the assemblies of God. <laughs> As you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. You can live a life that matters because jesus baptizes in the holy spirit now let me first say this all those who have made a decision to follow jesus they have counted everything else is lost compared to him has the holy spirit living and abiding inside of them everyone you don't get the holy spirit at a later time you get him from the beginning of your new life in christ Every believer has the Holy Spirit living in them. Paul writes in Corinthians that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you. He lives in you and helps guide you by convicting you of things that are not in alignment with God in your life. We see this in John 16:8. He is actively at work making you more in the image of Christ. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5:17. Paul also writes in Romans that he is continually interceding for you with groanings too deep for words according to the will of the Father. This is in Romans 8.26. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is resident in you, making intercession according to the will of God. He's doing it right now. Jesus promised that his indwelling spirit would help or comfort us, to be our advocate, to teach us, remind us of Christ's words, lead us into all truth, speak to us, show us what is yet to come, glorify Christ, and reveal the things of Christ to us. We see this in John 14 and 16. So then the question comes in, I think it's natural to ask, so why seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If I already have him inside of me, why go down that controversial road? Well, the Bible plainly shows that spirit baptism is different from and occurs after the spirit indwells you when you choose Jesus. Let me ask you, what are your greatest spiritual needs? Maybe you wish your prayer life could have greater zeal, or, or maybe you wish you could understand the word better. Or maybe you wish you had more courage to talk to people about Jesus. You could list many, I'm sure. I would put our spiritual needs into two categories. First one is, we desire greater spiritual intimacy with God. The second thing is, we desire greater spiritual power from God. This is what the baptism in the Spirit addresses. Our great spiritual needs People seek the baptism in the Spirit out of a hunger, a longing for greater spiritual intimacy with God. They desire a stronger prayer life, to have the ability to pray in the Spirit. We see this in Ephesians 6.18. People seek the baptism in the Spirit for greater understanding of the Word of God. We see this in 1 Corinthians 2.10. People also seek the baptism in the Spirit out of a desire for greater spiritual power. This power has a purpose. The power to share the message of Jesus, to make disciples of all nations. Moving forward from Acts chapter 2, we find God freely giving his power for people to use in his service. People healing the sick, casting out demons. The miraculous occurred to confirm the message Jesus's followers were bringing. The miracles pointed to Jesus. There is a purpose behind the investment of power in our lives. The baptism isn't just something for us, but it's something that is meant to go through us. If you desire greater spiritual intimacy and greater spiritual power in your life, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. You can live a life that matters because the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. If we look back at Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, And Peter declared on his sermon on the day of Pentecost, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and he continues in his sermon. The baptism is not given as a reward for exceptional spirituality or holiness. If this were true, none of us would be granted it. It's not meant as a merit badge you earn by your accumulated goodness. You don't have to become more holy to receive it. But receiving this gift will help you to increase in spiritual intimacy and right living. What was the Apostle Paul's opinion and in instructions about speaking in tongues? He shares in 1 Corinthians 14, Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I want you all to speak in tongues. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So who is a gift for? Men and women, boys and girls, young and old. For every nation, it is for us all a free gift to experience life to the full In Jesus' name, a free gift to live a life that matters. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for all those who desire to live a life that matters for King Jesus. You can live a life that matters because being filled with the Spirit keeps you on mission for Jesus. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? He says, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So what is the power for? To be his witness, to fulfill his mission. Your life can count by being empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit. To live like it matters is to live on mission for Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. After the initial group received the gift of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they felt compared to share their newfound empowerment with others, and the results were dramatic. 3,000 people made a decision to follow Jesus that day and were baptized. The baptism in the Spirit is the God-powered tool of sharing the message of Jesus with others. It increases our effectiveness in witness, just as it did for the early Christians on the day of Pentecost. The Assemblies of God was organized in 1914, with 300 delegates attending the First General Council. The movement made the declaration to commit themselves to the greatest evangelism the world had ever seen. A hundred years later, in 2014, the Assemblies of God had grown over to over 3 million adherents in the U.S. and over 67 million adherents around the world. How does a group of of just over 300 people grow to over 67 million people in 100 years? By being a movement dedicated to living in the Spirit and making disciples of all nations. While other Bible-believing congregations have grown, it doesn't seem that any have really compared to the exponential growth of our movement. Why? I think in large part due to the lack of emphasis in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Southern Baptist Convention voted just last year to allow their overseas ministers to speak in tongues and still remain a part of their fellowship. They recognize the need for their overseas ministries to operate in the full gifts of the Spirit, uh, of the Spirit to experience real growth and effectiveness. And we're going to close today by giving people an opportunity to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. A question you could ask is, how can I be sure that I have received? What's the proof? Well, suppose you're down the street here and you go to buy something at Walmart. The clerk hands you a receipt proving you purchased the items. Now, did you buy that receipt? No, of course not. It was given as proof of the items that you bought. So when it comes to the question of whether you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, God wants to give you proof of the transaction. He wants you to be confident you have actually received the power he promised you. And when you examine the book of Acts, you will find four accounts of people receiving the spirit baptism. Three give details of how the recipients responded, proving their experience. One narrative, Acts 8, 9 to 24, it gives no specific details about the recipient's response, only that it was something generally observable. The three detailed accounts, they relate one consistent proof of spirit baptism. The recipients began to speak in languages that they had never learned before. They began to speak in other tongues. The Bible is specific. When you receive the same experience, you will have the same proof. So the question is, why in the world would God choose such a controversial sign to prove that his spirit baptism had occurred? The Bible gives us some clues. Reading from James 3, 7, and 8. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. James wrote his letter to believers and told them that they had trouble controlling their tongues. What could better demonstrate a new spiritual empowering than our tongues previously A restless evil, suddenly being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is also the reversal of Babel. My dad wrote a a blog detailing this, and I want to share it. I thought it it was great to understand speaking in tongues. There were three characteristics that were a part of the Tower of Babel. This is in Genesis 11. Here's the three the people moved east to a plain in the land of Shiner in disobedience to God. They attempted to reach greatness using man-made material and individual efforts. And the last thing is, their actions led to disunity and confusion. Those three qualities. Paul wrote to Timothy that speech void of the spirit is worldly fables, empty chatter that spreads like cancer. In other words, Babel. The outcomes at the Tower of Babel were reversed at the Feast of Pentecost. The followers of Jesus, instead of moving in disobedience to God, they stayed in Jerusalem in obedience to the Lord. Instead of seeking greatness by human effort, they waited for the promise of the Father, divine power. And their actions led to unity and harmony. Babel was a place of disorder. Yet throughout the book of Acts, the church is described as of one mind, one heart, In one purpose, their actions led to unity and harmony. The Lord restores order out of chaos. Another clue as to the why of tongues surfaces when we consider the why of spirit baptism itself. In essence, the baptism is all about God directing our speech in new and powerful ways so we can become ministering witnesses. Just as Acts 1.8 declares. This dynamic witness is demonstrated by Peter's sermon on Pentecost Day. After receiving the spirit baptism, this fisherman who had formerly denied Christ was empowered to speak about him publicly to thousands. The spirit baptism is all about God directing and empowering our speech. God wants to speak through us. It's that simple. Now, you could ask about emotions. Each of us are wired very differently regarding them. You know, some can't even watch a a commercial for Little House uh, Prairie reruns without shedding a tear. I grew up with two older sisters, so unfortunately, I was subjected to many uh, painful episodes of Little House on the Prairie. My sisters, they would cry. I would laugh at them, of course. So, you know, everyone's hardwired a little bit differently, not just between women and men, but, you know, there's, there's a varied response emotionally. You know, uh, some have the limited emotional response of a tractor tire. Our emotional responses will be different when we receive the baptism, and that's okay. Don't let emotion or lack of emotion override the proven scriptural proof of the evidence. Now, before we invite people to the front, we need to discuss our need to willfully abandon our pride and dignity in order to receive this gift. Speaking in tongues is a total assault on our pride. We don't have a clue what we are saying, only that we are speaking strange sounds. You must be willing to compromise your dignity in order to receive this gift from God. I believe that God chose tongues to be Proof of the Spirit, because it directly confronts our pride and control issues. So how do you receive? First, let me assure you that God wants to baptize you in his Holy Spirit today. He desires to refresh and empower your life. He wants to fulfill his promise to you, so be encouraged. The Bible sets out a simple pattern that helps us anticipate What will happen next as we seek to receive this gift? First thing is, pursue Jesus. This is why we started last week with adoring him. Jesus is the one who baptizes you in the spirit. The next thing is, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Something powerful happens when we fellowship with Jesus, desiring him to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. When we choose him, he responds to us God's response to our seeking the baptism in the holy spirit's power is that it will come upon us So how will you know now, I do know that some people overanalyze this moving their attention from seeking God to how they're feeling in the moment You're standing down here in the front Oh I think I think I feel God I feel warm Of course it's January I'm wearing a sweater so That might be why there's all these people around me. Oh, my knees, they they feel kind of weak. Of course, I've got bad knees and I've been standing here for a while. Don't do it. You start to overanalyze what's happening in that moment. If you simply praise God, you will suddenly be aware of his presence in a manner that was not there just a moment before. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit by speaking out. What do you do when you sense the Holy Spirit coming upon you? Do what the hungry believers in Acts did. When the Spirit came upon them, the Acts recipients cooperated with the Holy Spirit, choosing to speak out in tongues as he enabled them. Every reference to speaking in tongues in the Bible tells us that the person did the physical speaking, not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues, but he gives people the ability to do so. We do the speaking, but he gives a script. Remember, this is a process of cooperation between the Holy Spirit and the believer. The supernatural part of the process is that the Holy Spirit is enabling the words that are being spoken. The natural part is the physical act of speaking itself. That part is up to you. And many people struggle with this point. They say, I want it to be all God and not me. I'm telling you right now, that's an impossible desire. God doesn't do it by himself. He wants to partner with you. As the Spirit came upon the seeking believers, they began to speak in other languages. The Holy Spirit did not force them to speak. They chose to cooperate and speak his words. Some make the mistake of thinking the Holy Spirit is going to seize their jaw, their vocal cords, their tongue, and kind of flap it around. The Holy Spirit doesn't do this. You choose to partner your speech with the Holy Spirit's utterance. Your voice will not change. You will not be out of control. So as we close, I'll invite people to the front, and you simply pursue Jesus. You praise his name. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you must cooperate with the Holy Spirit by beginning to speak in other tongues as he enables you to do it. But what is our natural response to the Holy Spirit? We resist him. Our default response is trying to stay in control. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are suddenly confronted with a fork in the road. There are two paths to follow. The easiest path to take is the path of the familiar by following your own understanding your control and dignity are intact you are not doing anything perceived as risky here's what i mean you're standing up here at the front pursuing jesus by intimately worshiping and fellowshipping with him and then the spirit comes upon you and now what do you do now we naturally continue doing what we were already doing and saying before he came upon us And this way, we're still in control. Everything is safe and comfortable. And what will most likely happen? Probably nothing. Because we're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Do nothing different. And you will automatically follow this pathway by default. If you do what you've always done, you will remain where you've always been. Receiving something new, requires a new action when the holy spirit comes upon you there is another path that you can follow this path leads you far away from your comfort zone if you choose to take the leap of faith you'll most likely feel self-conscious and vulnerable this proves in that moment the line of dignity is being crossed so it's okay and what do i mean by leap of faith here's my word picture Faith is a teaspoon of understanding, that's what I'm giving you right now, and it's a swimming pool full of trust. Since you cannot baptize yourself in the Spirit, you must trust God and His promise enough to do something risky, something that is an act of raw trust. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's God's way of saying, it's me, it's safe, jump in. Will you trust God enough to open your mouth and speak words that you will not understand? Decide now that you will indeed take the leap of faith when you sense the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Before you come down here, decide, make that decision from now. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this. Since you only have one mouth, newsflash, you can only speak one language at a time. This means that English or Other learned languages, you know, English may not be your first language, your your primary, but those languages, they have to go, or it will crowd out the spiritual language. When the Spirit comes upon you, resist the urge for English to dominate. Refuse the known language, and then begin to speak out. It's safe. God will keep his promise to you. And a final word. I want you to know that I believe in the Spirit, in what is genuine what is real i do not have patience for those who misuse the gifts or try to force things upon others so i want to tell you that if you come up front this morning no one will attempt to push on your forehead to simulate the spirit coming upon you no one will put words in your ear to say to pretend that you've received the gift of the spirit we only want that which is real We will not accept anything that's counterfeit you're in a safe place with godly people who want everyone to experience all that god has for them have you been longing for greater spiritual intimacy with god and greater spiritual power do you want to seek the baptism in the holy spirit I'm going to encourage you to start by making your way down the aisle, out of your seat, coming to the front, where we can all pray together, asking the Holy Spirit to fill us all. The baptism is for us all. I didn't mention it in the context of this message, but not only do we have a biblical example of being filled, but we also have an example of being refilled. So maybe you were filled in the Spirit some years ago, but it's not something that you have maintained in your walk with the Lord, so I would encourage you to come as well to be refilled this morning. Come, and we'll have some people come to be able to encourage you in worship as well. As you come and you get to a place where you're ready to receive, here's what I need for you to do. I want you to to listen as, as we walk through these steps. I want you to begin to ask Jesus for a fresh cleansing from any unconfessed sin. You don't need to dig up old things. If you have already confessed things to the Lord, it says that it is in the sea of forgetfulness. It, it is behind you. So I'm just asking if there are things that are unconfessed in your life, begin to confess those to Jesus. Make your life right with him. Align yourself with him right now. And then begin to express your dependence on him. And ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Ask for that. Jesus, may you baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, let go of English and speak out. When he comes, you will not be out of control. You'll probably feel like your mouth wants to say something. That's what you can anticipate. You may stammer at first. That's all right. Keep on speaking. Trust God and more will come. After you've been filled, thank Jesus for baptizing you. Then begin to speak out in the spiritual language again. So let's go ahead and take time. Let's just begin to pursue Jesus, confessing those sins that that maybe you have not talked with him about. Let's just begin to seek his filling here this morning.